Volume One, Chapter Fourteen of Vixen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Renate. Vixen by Mary Elizabeth Braddon, Volume One, Chapter Fourteen. He was worthy to be loved a lifetime. Conrad Winstanley had come to the new forest with his mind reserved upon one of two things. He meant to marry Violet Tempest, or her mother. If the case was quite hopeless with a daughter, he would content himself with winning the lesser prize. And so vanity whispered that there was no woman living he might not win for himself if he chose to be sufficiently patient and persevering instinct told him that violet frankly distasted him after all argued worldly wisdom the alternative is not to be despised the widow is somewhat rococo an old-fashioned jewel kept in cotton wool and brought out on occasions to shine with factitious brilliancy like old dutch garnets baked with tinfoil but she is still pretty she is ductile amiable and weak to a degree that promises a husband the savouring dominion why break your heart for this fair devil of a daughter who looks capable if offended of anything in the way of revenge from a horsewhip to slow poison are a pair of brown eyes and a coronal of red gold hair worth all this wasted passion but the daughter is the greater catch argued ambition the doorwaggers join her as well enough when she has the abbey house and garden for her life but violet will be sole mistress of the estate when she comes of age as violet's husband your position would be infinitely better than it could be as her stepfather unhappily the cantagorous minx has taken it into her head to dislike you stay interjected the bland voice of vanity may not this dislike be only an assumption a mask for some deeper feeling there are girls who show their love in that way do not be in a hurry to commit yourself to the mother until you have made yourself quite sure about the daughter mrs tempest's dinner-party was a success it introduced captain winstanley to all that was best in the surrounding society for although in switzerland he had seemed very familiar with the best people in the forest in hampshire he appeared almost a stranger to them it was generally admitted however that the captain was an inquisition and a person to be cultivated he sang a french comic song almost as well as monsieur de rousseau recited a short yankee poem which none of his audience had ever heard before was telling force he was at home upon the every subject from orchids to steam plows from ordnance to light literature a man who sang so well talked so well looked so well and behaved so well could not be otherwise than welcome in county society before the evening was over captain winstanley had been offered three hunters for the next day's run and had been asked to write in four birthday books 
violet did not honour him with so much as a look after her one cold recognition of his first appearance in the drawing-room it was a party of more than twenty people and she was able to keep out of his way without obvious avoidance of him he was done but had no right to be offended he took mrs scobel in to dinner and mrs scobel played the accompaniment of his song being a clever little woman able to turn her hand to anything he would have preferred to be told off to some more important matron but was not sorry to be taken under mrs scobel's wing she could give him the carte du pays and would be useful to him no doubt in the future a social iris to fetch and carry for him between beechdale and the abbey house do you know that i am quite in love with your forest he said to mrs tempest standing in front of the ottoman where that lady sat with two of her particular friends so much so that i am actually in treaty for captain hawberk's cottage and mean to stay here till the end of the hunting everybody knew captain hawberk's cottage a veranda had box of a house on the slope of the hill above beechdale i am afraid you find the drawing-room chimney smokes said a matter-of-fact lady in sea-green poor mrs hawberk was a martyr to that chimney what does a bachelor want with a drawing-room if there is one sitting-room in which i can burn a good fire i shall be satisfied the stable is in very fair order the hawbucks kept the pony carriage assented the sea-green lady if mrs hawbucks accept my offer i shall send for my horses next week said the captain mrs tempest blushed her life had flowed in so gently and placid a current that the freshness of her soul had not worn off and at ninety and thirty she was able to blush there was something so significant in captain stanley's desire to establish himself at beechdale that she could not help feeling flattered by the fact it might be on violet's account of course that he came yet violet and he had never got on very well together poor fellow she thought blandly if he for a moment supposes that anything would tempt me to marry again he is egregious mistaken and then she looked round the lovely old room whitened by a crowd of well-dressed people and thought that next to being edward tempest's wife the best thing in life was to be edward's tempest widow dear edward she mused how strange that we should miss him so little to-night it had been with every one as if the squire had never lived politeness exacted this ignoring of the past no doubt but the thing had been so easily done the noble presence the jovial laugh the friendly smile were gone and no one seemed conscious of the void no one but violet who looked round the room once when conversation was liveliest with a pale indignant face resenting this forgetfulness i wish papa's ghost would come in at that door and scare his hollow-hearted friends she said to herself and she felt as if it would hardly have been a surprise to her to see the door open slowly and that familiar figure appear well violet mrs tempest said sweetly when the guests were gone how do you think it all went off it of course meant the dinner-party 
i suppose according to the nature of those things it was all right and proper vixen answered coldly but i should think it must have been intensely painful to your mamma mrs tempest sighed she had always a large selection of sighs and stuck suitable to every occasion i should have felt it much worse if i had sat in my old place at dinner she said but sitting at the middle of the table instead of at the end made it less painful and i really think it's better style how did you like the new arrangement of the glasses i didn't notice anything new my dear violet you are frightfully unobservant no i'm not answered vixen quickly my eyes are keen enough believe me mrs tempest felt uncomfortable she began to think that after all it might be a comfortable thing to have a companion as a fender between herself and violet a perpetually present miss jones or smith would ward off these unpleasantnesses there are occasions however on which a position must be faced boldly in proverbial phrase the bull must be taken by the horns and here mrs tempest felt was a bull which must be so encountered she knew that their poor little hands were too feeble for the office but she told herself that she must make the heroic attempt violet why have you such a rooted dislike to captain winstanley why is my hair the colour it is mamma or why are my eyes brown instead of blue if you could answer my question i might be able to answer yours nature made me what i am and nature has implanted a hatred of captain winstanley in my mind do you not think it wrong to hate any one the very word hate was considered unladylike when i was a girl without cause i have cause to hate them good cause sufficient cause i hate all self-seekers and adventurers you have no right to call them one or the other have i not what brings him here but the pursuit of his own interest why does he plant himself at our door as if he were come to besiege a town do you mean to say mamma that you can be so blind as not to see what he wants he has come for the hunting yes but not to hunt our foxes or our stags he wants a rich wife mamma and he thinks that you or i will be foolish enough to marry him there would be nothing unnatural in his entertaining some idea of that kind about you replied mrs tempest with a sudden assertion of matronly dignity but for him to think of me in that light would be too absurd i must be some years perhaps four or five years his senior to begin with oh he would forgive you that he would not mind that and he ought to know that i should never dream of marrying again he ought if he had any idea of what is right and noble in a woman answered vixen but he has not he has no ideas that do not begin and end in himself and his own advantage he sees you here with a handsome house a good income and he thinks that he can persuade you to marry him violet you must know that i shall never marry i hope i do know it but the world ought to know it too 
people ought not to be allowed to whisper and smile and look significant as i saw some of them do to-night when captain winstanley was hanging over your chair you ought not to encourage him mamma it is a treason against my father to have that man here here was a bull that required prompt and severe handling but mrs tempest felt her powers inadequate to the effort i am surprised at you violet she exclaimed as if i did not know as well as you what is due to my poor edward as if i should do anything to compromise my own dignity is it to encourage a man to ask him to a dinner-party when he happens to be visiting in the neighbourhood can i forbid captain winstanley to take the hawbuck's cottage no you have gone too far already you gave him too much encouragement in switzerland and at brighton he has attached himself to us like a limpid to a rock you will not easily get rid of him unless you let him see that you understand and despise him i see nothing despicable in him and i am not going to insult him at your bidding answered the widow tremulous with anger i do not believe him to be a shima or an adventurer he is a gentleman by birth education profession it is a supreme insolence on your part to speak of him as you do what can you know of the world how can you judge and measure a man like captain winstanley a girl like you hardly out of the nursery it is too absurd and understand at once and forever violet that i will not be hectored or lectured in this manner that i will not be dictated to or taught what is good taste in my own house this is to be my own house you know as long as i live yes unless you give it a new master said violet gravely forgive me if i have been too vehement mamma it is my love that is bold whom have i in this world to love now except you and when i see you in danger when i see the softness of your nature dear mother there are some instincts that are stronger than reason there are some antipathies which are implanted in us for warnings remember what a happy life you led with my dear father his goodness his overflowing generosity his noble heart there is no man worthy to succeed him to live in this house dear mother for pity's sake she was kneeling at her mother's feet clinging to her hands her voice half choked with sobs mrs tempest began to cry too my dearest violet how can you be so foolish my love don't cry i tell you that i shall never marry again never not if i were asked to become a countess my heart is true to your dear father it always will be i am almost sorry that i consented to these scarlet bows in my dress but the feather trimming looks so heavy without them and theodore's eye for colour is perfect my dear child be assured i shall carry his image with me to my grave dear mother that is all i ask be as happy as you can but be true to him he was worthy to be loved for a lifetime not to be put off with half a life half a heart 
End of Volume 1, Chapter 14 Recording by Renate, Lakewood, Colorado